Hello and welcome to Goblet of... I so almost said fire. Shut, shut, it's gone shut, the other shut, way. Shut, 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 no, shut. I didn't do it. It doesn't count. Hello. Hello. How are you? Well, we've tried to record this intro four times, so uh, frustrated yeah. at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lip, You've got just, high pitch. Just a, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just Funny. Little bit. This feeling inside. <laughs> We're and so tuneful. That was bad from yeah. both of us. So mm-hmm. bad. Right. Hello. So, how have you been? Oh, man. Man, the coronavirus. Oh, yes. Um, I had to bring it up 30 feel, seconds in. I feel like we can't even start. Because... This will go up in a month. I will tell you when it will go up. We didn't write it down. No, because I just made the columns. We have a, a Excel sheet tracker. It's great. It will go up in a month, yeah. Yeah, so this is going to go up in a month. And at this time, like, everything... If you think about to a month ago with the coronavirus, we are at the stage where everything is changing daily. Daily. So in a month, we might be looking back at this like, oh, what a fuss over nothing. Yeah, or in I a feel month, like we not. might be like, oh no, Charlie died. <laughs> Yeah, or, or we that, might... that joke might be really inappropriate because someone might have done. We don't yeah. know. Literally, no one could be listening to this. This could never go live because everyone, we, we just don't know. I'll tell you who does know. It's me, editing Hannah, who's editing this a month later. No, actually, it's, I, yeah, two weeks later from full lockdown in London. She was sent home from work two weeks ago, has barely left the flat since, is only allowed to leave the flat once per day for my daily exercise allowance. Me and Charlie have no idea when we'll see each other in person again. Um, yeah. Sorry if this joke now seems inappropriate. Thought I'd leave it in. I'm sure it's not. I just, you know, all stay safe, stay indoors, wash your hands. Mm Mm-hmm. Great carry on past charlie and hannah who are actually allowed to sit next to each other in the same room so we um corona- we're both waiting for texts from work to see if we're being sent home on monday we don't know what's we don't happening. know so whilst everyone else is stockpiling loo roll we are stockpiling podcast, podcast episodes because i might end up going back to suffolk for fuck knows how long yep so um that that is a thing anyway so we're stressed about that but anyway we have new reviews to read out we do that's um, more important yeah so starting with jammy cook who says rereading on their commute to but without the booze, as turning up to work is frowned upon. Frowned upon. However, y- you could still do it. You could you could hide that or like make it your niche. You know, make it your thing. Yeah. And shout out to Penguin Babe who says we are pure 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 genius. Feels like hanging out with friends. And they text their bestie to discuss, oh my God, Charlie, do you remember yeah. when we mm-hmm. used to mm-hmm. sit when I was mm-hmm. an intern mm-hmm. and Skype message yeah. at work? This is me doing a Skype message about, um, what did we used to li- both Which do? Please. Which please, Potterless. Yeah, and we used to just be like, have you listened to, and we used to listen to the same episodes at the same time. We were so cute. But people are doing what we did. I know. It's, Isn't that? It's insane. Crazy. And another huge thank you to Stella from Sweden, who says that it is a really, really good pood. And I love this because I don't know if it's a typo or if she intentionally put pood. uh, But thank you. you. (laughs) So if you would like your review read out, you can leave us a review on Apple or Facebook. And that's how you get on read out. We also have new Patreons to welcome. We do. So a huge thank you to the wonderful Hayley and Lottie and Jenny and finally Marianne. Thank you so much all for joining Team Patreon. It's very, very exciting. They now have access to our bonus episodes, to our Discord server, to uh, behind the scenes pictures. Yep. And a huge thank you for getting us one step closer to going to Romania. No, yeah, Romania. Because Um, (laughs) we we joked about this in a past episode, and then Hannah texted me when she was editing and was like, do you remember we said that we would go to Romania? And I was like... No, Albania. Albania. Al- not, oh my God, not Albania, Romania. Albania. I know countries. <laughs> yeah, she was like, we said that we would go to Albania. And I was like, what? We what? 
because the thing we text we we text these we record these quite late at night yeah after copious amount of alcohol I, I could i could not remember that uh and now we have decided we are actually going to do that if, uh, yeah and then if we get to 200, 200 patrons, patrons we are actually going to go to albania and, and go to a forest and, and record, record an, an episode. episode but also like then i kind of was joking about it then it got put on twitter and then it got to the point where someone who listens to the podcast who we kind of know in real life came up to us in a pub the other night and he was like, I'm rooting for you to go to Albania, by the mm-hmm. way. We were like, this has got out of hand. We're now going to have to go to Albania. But also, I'm well excited to go to Albania. I literally am so excited. So a huge shout out to David. If you're listening, we're going to get to Albania. We're going to get to Albania. If you want to help us get to Albania join the patreon <laughs> yep join, join the patreon we've only got like 140 people to go before we go to albania we can do this we can do this <laughs> team albania yeah if anyone lives in albania who wants to put us up for the night uh do let us know right what are we drinking today charlie yeah what the fuck are we drinking hannah well um my mum bought me these cocktail these like pre-done cocktail mixers what i didn't realize was they were the sweetest thing in the world just a bit and also they're supposed to be over ice but because of a (laughs) communication breakdown in hannah's relationship (laughs) there is no ice (laughs) i thought neil was doing the ice turns out he was telling me to do the ice there is no ice so we have a kind of packet done gin bramble so it's gin some bramble mixture and then i put some tonic in there because it was so sweet i thought i was gonna die yeah it's still very sweet but uh cheers cheers i bet you all love the drinking noises it's really sweet it's so sweet it it tastes like the fruity bit you do get in like crumbles (laughs) chapter nine the dark Dark mark So they all go back to the tent. It's just the Quidditch World Cup has just finished. They're all in high spirits and they all go back to the tent. And they all, after like some hot chocolate and a little chat and Ginny falls asleep on the table, they go to sleep. But they're suddenly shouted awake by Mr. Weasley. They're screaming out. Neil? Yeah? What are you doing? Sorting the washing. You are ruining... (laughs) Our work of art. It's a work. It, this is a highly commended podcast. Neil's doing the housework whilst we're getting drunk. <laughs> Get back in your cupboard, Dobby. Go away, Dobby. <laughs> so now that Neil has stopped interrupting us like the bastard man he is, basically they wake up and Mr. Weasley is yelling at them. Get like, up! Yeah, like, wake up, wake up, everybody, get up. Get out, get out. Harry, no, you don't have time for clothes. Get out. The line is, from Harry's perspective, dimly, he could tell that something was wrong. (laughs) Like, I know we have discussed that Harry is the least observant shit in the world. I think something's wrong. But, like, Mr. Weasley is, like, it's, like, 2 a.m. Mr. Weasley is screaming at them, yelling at them to get up now. And Harry's like, I think... My my spidey senses are tingling. I think something might be wrong. Oh, fucking hell, Harry. No fucking shit. So they get outside the tent and everyone is screaming and running. And in the distance, Harry can see a group of masked hooded wizards moving through the crowd. And this is like quite a terrifying image. Like, Like They did it well in film, I feel like. Yeah, actually. I know Harry got knocked out halfway through, which was kind of annoying, but the the panic scene Mm. was really good because something you always worry... Something, like, I don't know if you think about this, but I, as an adult, sometimes have this thought in large groups of, like, or large group situations, like, what if something goes wrong or someone starts to do something? For me, it's quite... It's always, you know, when you're, like, on, like in the underground like waiting oh, for a tube yeah. and it's so busy that you literally can't get like in or out and, and you think, think like if someone what if something, something happens right now there is literally like this crowd anymore. of people that's like unmoving yeah yeah it's it's that it's those terrible things that go through your head and to be in that kind of situation harry's in when everyone's running and screaming and something is happening like you know he's not in it it's not right on top of him it's not immediate danger but those kind of crowd situations can be really really panic and the only adult there is telling him run get away from me go i need to go help you need to run yeah so it's a group of wizards in their like hooded robes and they're laughing and jeering uh levitating some muggles above them how do we feel about the very obvious kkk metaphor yeah i had literally written um big kkk 
vibes like we know they're wearing hoods and masks and the way they're moving in a group and like obviously levitating isn't something the kkk could do but no but they used to put um, people on sticks yeah they used to lynch people yeah it's it's huge reminiscent but and like and the the hoods and i mean the death eaters were always drawing parallels to both the nazis and the kkk and like it but it's this this is our first introduction to them and it's very heavily drawing on those lynchings yeah and the, the thing is where jk rowling I mean, we've discussed this a bit before. It's such a hard one because she does go wrong with her metaphors in that a lot of the time they are metaphors for very serious things. Like, a lot of the time she goes wrong because she has her metaphors that are like about very serious things so they'll be about race or Mm. about the AIDS crisis and I've said this before I think this is amazing for kind of introducing those themes to children Mm. like they're if they're kind of metaphors in children's books then it works because although as like an adult reader it's slightly problematic to kind of give like a fantasy metaphor onto Mm. like race relations and things like that especially when then pretty much well when like all of your major characters are white Mm. it just becomes a little bit of erasure but at the end of the day it does work for like educating kids and you know we've said many many times that we think the reason our generation is so open-minded is because you know partly because of harry potter so her metaphors work in that respect however whenever their metaphors you know about half-bloods are supposed to be you know like black people or about werewolves being homosexual men. When you have those kind of metaphors with like an adult reading, it then becomes very like reductionist. Mm. And obviously with the KKK, it does, you know, that that is a race issue. However, having the Death Eaters and the KKK, yeah, it kind of does, it does relate back to race. But it's it's less of a you know it's not having the um goblins as a metaphor for jewish people which is just like big it's not quite as blanket it is more um are you saying it's more like specific basically it's just less you're comparing like an organization of like wealthy racist white people to an organization of wealthy racist white people you're not comparing a mythical creature to you know a group of people yeah um and they're both the extreme extremist end um exactly where it's, it's more of than... like a direct metaphor basically so yeah. i don't know how i feel about it because on the one hand you're still taking something that and it's not even happened like still happens like the kkk is still a thing it's rising the numbers are rising currently exactly like you know you're taking something so serious and you're still having this kind of like a fantasy metaphor Mm. and it's like on the one hand it kind of makes me cringe a bit and it's a bit iffy but then on the other at least when like children are reading this it's kind of introducing them into the okay like people that act like this people who levitate people they say see as lesser above them Mm. this is a bad evil horrible thing and i'm like at least you're instilling that message into kids but at the same time mm, it makes me uncomfortable i was thinking about this the other day actually i was watching the first episode of the new adaption of noughts and crosses which the bbc are doing at the moment and noughts and crosses was a book i really liked growing up and it was one of the first books to really open my eyes to race issues you know i'm quite open this i grew up in a very white very middle class town um there was not a single black person in my school because of the area I grew up in. So I grew up very sheltered and I read Noughts and Crosses and uh, the age I read it, I realized I had ingrained racism and that book opened my eyes to it. But that book, because it is aimed at older children and teenagers has a lot of oversimplifications in it. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, that book is aimed at children to teach them about their ingrained racism. And I would rather the oversimplification of metaphors and wider issues to teach children rather than them not Mm. being there at all so i think there's a balancing act and i think sometimes jk rowling gets that wrong but i think sometimes she gets that very right yeah it's like the same as when you're teaching like maths or something you don't go in with the most complicated equations you have to kind of teach the basics even when the basics aren't 100 percent accurate like it happens a lot in science you would get taught things and you'd be like they teach you and they're like this 
technically isn't correct, but we need to teach you this in order to teach you what comes next. I was saying this to Neil because there's something I still remember from a biology lesson and I was saying it to him the other day and he was like, you do realise that's wrong, don't you? Yeah. And I was like, what? And he was like, they teach you that because it's a simplified version of this, but you never got to A-level biology, so you don't actually know the more complicated version. I was like, oh shit, like I didn't know that. Like I didn't know I was being taught this factually quite inaccurate version exactly so it's the same it, this is how you kind of learn about racism and stuff they yeah. kind of teach you the dumbed down version of it yeah. um yeah but yeah it feels a bit iffy so something that said is how like there's already this group and then it says that like more wizards are like kind of like laughing and like joining in and like joining the group and it's just like it's unsurprising really that there's like this level of racism within the wizarding community because when you think about it like we see that there is like huge differences in class in like the wizarding society but Mm. also when you think about you know we a few episodes had the discussion over how many people there are um in the wizarding world yeah and to have like such a large group out this small sample of the wizarding wizarding society and maybe this group is proportionately larger because the people who are attending would be wealthy wealthy yeah but it's still kind of shocking and kind of not that you do have like such a big group and it's the fact that this like level of racism is just so prevalent within the wizarding community and you really have to feel that they had this like huge horrific thing that happened with Voldemort and since then like there's been no effort made within the wizarding community to kind of combat that level of racism yeah, like to reach out fact, to muggles and to yeah, try and, to understand them and better. like the fact that in Hogwarts that um muggle studies is an elective when actually and it's also an elective that's seen as a DOS subject yeah when actually muggle studies it should be like you know we Compulsory. used to have like um re and stuff like yeah. um that would be like compulsory at uh, least R-E until is religious education yeah and we used to have you know it should be the same as how you used to have like sex education and stuff like yeah. that and things that you would learn in form time and muggle study should have been yeah. that it's like how can you have such like a huge thing it would be as if germany after the holocaust as if they'd just been like that was fine we're not going to do anything to stop that happening again yeah whereas germany like did all this incredible work in the last 80 years to completely turn everything around and to turn the education system around and like they it's a it's a beacon of what education can do yeah but it just you know clearly the wizarding society has just made no No attempt to change and And i think that's where you can tell it's a gap between two wars rather than a final war because yeah. Voldemort ended so suddenly there was no rectification of like the, the his ideals yeah so Harry realises as a light hits the family that it's Mr Roberts and his yeah. family so it's Mr Roberts his wife and his two children like first of all it's quite shocking to Harry because he knows them there are children involved in this which just to try to consider how terrifying this much be this must be these children must have been pulled from their beds whilst asleep dragged outside and levitated in front of a crowd bear in mind they do not know what magic is like this must be horrific Mm -hmm. i'm now about to move on to talking about sexual harassment i will come back to this a little bit later in the episode but i will put all the timestamps in the description so if you don't we'll put the timestamp we finish these conversations so if you would like to skip it's all in the description so please feel free to skip now if you feel like you don't want to listen to this part so it's described that mrs roberts is flipped upside down to reveal her underwear and then we realize when we first kind of read this we think these this family is asleep or unconscious they're actually fully awake mrs roberts is described as trying to pull her dress frantically back upwards downwards to cover her underwear so now not only is this an extremely violent intrusive and horrible attack it's now extreme sexual harassment bordering on sexual assault sexual assault without yeah. a doubt yeah and um, this is one of those things it's it's that they consider her her as less than a, and less than toy human yeah because she doesn't have magical powers and yet they're still willing to objectify and assault her growing up i never really noticed this bit i thought it was an attack on muggles but as an adult reading this this section is very clearly sexually motivated they are trying to humiliate her as a woman and it's actually extremely shocking 
to read. I'm kind of surprised it's in a kid's book. It's, it's not necessarily that it's bad it's in a kid's book because I glossed over but it as a child. The thing but is, when, when you read this as a kid, you're like, ha 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 ha, knickers are showing. I mean, I don't think I have a lot, because I thought it was shocking, but... but- Ooh, but you're kind of more like oh like you don't see it as sexual because you're a kid yeah exactly. you just see it as embarrassing because her knickers, knickers are, are showing, showing and- but you don't think oh damn that's sexual because you don't really have a comprehension of what sex yeah. is so it's quite a bold move to put this clear but this is definitely where the books are getting more adult yeah 100 percent. and reading it as an adult is it's surprising that it's in a kid's book but if you were to write a real story you know, as horrible as this is, unfortunately, if a group of extremely racist, wealthy men got together, mm-hmm. this is extremely, as I believe, in character yeah. for them and to do. historically accurate. accurate. So the panic is really palpable in the book at this point. Um, J.K. Rowling cleverly uses short staccato sentences throughout this entire description. They're mostly four-word sentences because it, as you read it, it's making you panic because you're reading like this. It is like this. It's short words to set, like, quick. And it's making your brain go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And Harry's having to run. They run into the woods. And interestingly, Hermione is the first to break the law in this moment. She lights her wand, which is illegal. Um, But she says, this is stupid and lights her wand. Mm. She probably, being Hermione, knows that the law is actually not, it can't tell the person that does it, it's the area. But also, I think it really shows her character development in the last three books, you know, like Mm -hmm. going into the Wizarding World, she really cares about laws. But in this book, we start to see her intelligence as a person override her liking for rules. You know, she starts to trust her own brain and her own intelligence more. So in this moment, she's like, I'm in danger people need my help i'm gonna light my wand like yeah. it's it's very clever which is very accurate as you get older you become so much less like oh no like i have to do this mm. and more like okay this is what is needed for me yeah. to do so they run into malfoy oh man and again sorry moving back to sexual harassment he taunts hermione specifically saying that you don't want to be caught you don't want to be showing your knickers mm-hmm so now Malfoy is sexually harassing yeah. Hermione. And again, reading this as an adult, I was just like, holy shit. Like, this is for a 14-year-old. Like, I was like, oh my God, a 14-year-old saying this. And then I was thinking back to my school days and I was like, no, unfortunately accurate because of the way some men are raised. Yeah. It's, it's extremely accurate of comments we probably both received age oh, 14. Yeah. I used to have a man, a boy, trigger warning again probably like skip forward like 15 or 13 seconds well, it's all be in the description guys yeah i used to have a boy called chris who used to threaten to anally rape me when we were like 16 mm. and then a few years after that he applied for a job at my dad's company that was a satisfying piece of karma yeah just like no thank you my, yeah literally my dad got his cv and was like oh like you you know knew this Chris guy. You went to school with him. What's he like? And I was like, well, well, let me tell you. So something I remembered recently, which I texted you about because I, for some reason, was thinking about it in the night and woke up remembering it. Age 10, uh, 11, we had this meeting preparing us for secondary school. And we were split into boys and girls for some fucking bizarre reason. And our female teacher told advised us to buy front clasping bras. Because they said in secondary school, boys will try to, when you sit in lessons, unclasp your bra from the back. And I thought nothing of this. And I went home and asked my mum if she could try to find some of these for me. And looking back, I was like, I was being told, advised to spend money and time searching for something that would prevent me being sexually harassed and assaulted Mm. by men as if it was something I needed to stop. But I would pay anyone any amount of money to bet that the male teacher was not telling the boys in that classroom to not do that to us. Yeah. I used to have my sanitary products pulled out of my bag and thrown around. I used to have my skirt pulled up by older people. And all of this was just like, it's just secondary school. So Malfoy saying this comment is not shocking to me that he's a 14 year old doing it. But my God, reading it back as an adult, I want to scream in anger at the fact that 
yeah, the boys are angry at this and Hermione goes kind of quiet, but it's just fucking disgusting that this is a realistic interpretation of things that happen to 14-year-old girls. Yeah. On a more light-hearted note, because this is also what we do, um, <laughs> swing back quickly to light-hearted. Just a U-turn. So when Draco appears, Ron falls over and yells in pain and then Draco is just summoned. He just does his I thing. Know. He's where like, he, he's hello. Just he's like next to Snape <laughs> in the like convenient <laughs> entrances. I love it. Yes, I literally wrote, Draco is summoned. Um, and, By a hall. Yeah, and he makes a joke about Ron's big feet, which, one, not remotely savage. Every single time I read one of Draco's insults, it's so bad that I'm like, did JK Rowling just give up? Because JK Rowling can write savage quips no She's- Malfoy's a shit bully it's just known that Malfoy's a shit yeah, bully yeah it's like JK has this ability and yet every time it's Draco trying to insult and again goes over your head as a kid so it's now that I'm rereading this that I'm like shit every time Draco tries to make a remark it's just not not it's it's not remotely good no so yeah number one not remotely savage number two big feet big shoes yeah exactly he's a gangly boy he is that he is the trio realise they've lost Fred George and Ginny in all of this and Harry realises he's also lost his wand and like I realise how horrible this feeling must be like imagine losing your phone times a hundred that must be what this feels like like your magic you can do magic to protect yourself oh no the only thing that helps you do that the only thing that allows you to do that is gone it must just feel like everything is stripped from you mm-hmm. like you part of you is missing yeah i also wrote a note about how mr weasley is such a badass it's like he also was asleep and very very tired had a very long day and then gets you know woken up because this shit is going down and he 100 percent could have used the excuse of i'm with not only my kids but other people's kids and Harry fucking Potter, I need to go with them to keep them safe and look after them. But he doesn't, and it doesn't even seem to cross his mind. No. He immediately runs towards this group of people to try and stop what they're doing and to try and protect the muggles yeah. and literally doesn't even... Well, I just also like, just love Bill, Charlie and Percy in this yeah. moment. Like, Percy at this point is very on the brink of like bad Percy and good Percy, but he does not hesitate in running after his brothers and helping. Yeah. And like, it's just such a moment of solidarity for these four of being like, we've got to go. You guys get safe. You can handle yourselves. We have got to go help these muggles. And it's... Yeah. And any one of them people. could have used the excuse that they had people to look after yeah. and, they, and they don't. And it's just... oh literally such a badass because that would be a terrifying thing to run towards yeah and they had like a get out jail free card and they just never would consider that yeah um i love mr weasley so winky appears and it looks it feels like she's being held back by something like they say they literally say it looks like she's being held back by an invisible person Mm -hmm. all the clues are there at the beginning hermione then brings up her first instance of house elf slavery um, Mm -hmm. because Harry points out that maybe she looks like she's being held back because Mr. Crouch has told her to stay in the tent and Ron immediately disagrees with Harry's like nah house elves are fine like they're chill and we'll talk about I think we've got to choose a chapter to go into this because Mm. otherwise we're going to keep bringing up in small bursts so I think the chapter house elf liberation front is where we're really going to go ham we'll bring it up in tiny bits but you know we're saving it to go into then guys because otherwise it's going to be a bit chop and changey but um that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah, so then there's the line that they passed a group of goblins mm. who were cackling over some gold that won. I have two notes about this. I have one and it's just... <sighs> so, my that was my first note. We'll, we'll swing back to that. The second is, I realise it's actually quite clever and this was the first time realising this. The next sentence, the next person they run into is Bagman and yep. he appears looking harried and strained. And if you think back to the goblin bit and then if you think to the end yep. of the book, it's said that the goblins confiscated his gold at the Quidditch match and I'm like, oh, the goblins cackling over gold was the goblins that had confiscated yeah. the gold from Bagman. Bagman there then appeared looking strained, not knowing what happened, disapprated. That was what had happened. And I have read this book. I'm not joking. This is the book I've read most out of all of them. Probably bordering on 40 times. That's not an exaggeration. And that was the first time I'd put those two events together and been mm-hmm. like, 
but also goblins cackling over a bag of gold just no just stop with so I really struggled to unpack the whole goblin yeah. issue because I am, I'm being very honest, I'm nowhere near educated enough on Jewish culture to go into this. Like, yeah. I, to be honest, guys, listening, if you want to hear about it in more detail, we'd be happy to try to, like, not try to, but to reach out to people who are, who would like to talk about this or if any of you have some opinions that you'd like to send us that we could read out in future chapters when this comes up, please feel free. Um, there are people within the community we can definitely reach out to, but I think yeah. neither of we us We want are... to try and get someone Jewish on. Yeah. Because he- here's the thing here's the with thing. it in England mm. is that in America, being Jewish is very, very common. Yes. For whatever reason... It's in... not... No, but here's the thing. It's not for whatever reason. It's because during World War Two, a lot of Jewish people well, fled to exactly. America. Exactly. <laughs> but here, it's a lot less common. Yes. Unfortunately, and... because of World War Two. Yeah. And it's more common, like, in cities, but we're both from outside of cities. So yeah. I didn't grow up knowing a, a single, single Jewish, Jewish person. person. I now know, I think... Two, two Jewish people and two Jewish people. neither of them particularly well and we don't you know we have religious education courses all the, all, I know a few Jewish people who are own, I say they're not they're like Jewish by heritage yes but not, they don't practice the religion and they're not super knowledgeable on the history so yeah. they wouldn't feel comfortable coming on the podcast to talk about it basically yeah yeah so we have religious education in schools and we get taught about like uh you know most other religions however we do not get taught about judaism, judaism. not I, not at all i never not really have in great detail judaism. it's maybe skirted over but we don't you know most of what i know about the jewish faith is through watching tv shows yeah. like friends, friends which is not a good source yeah um but yeah it wasn't until i moved to london that i ever knowingly met my like the first jewish person that I'd met obviously I probably had and it met other people and it just hadn't come up but it's a lot less common in England and I think this is something that people use to defend saying that maybe you know it's not supposed to be a metaphor because JK Rowling may not have come across and this is what I used to say and I'm still not fully sure on it is I personally and until into my 20s really didn't know any Jewish people or didn't know I knew Jewish people and just didn't know anything about the Jewish culture. So I was kind of like, you know, in England, it's very different. And JK Rowling just may have been completely unaware when she was accidentally drawing these parallels because we have very limited access to Jewish culture in this country. You know, now knowing what we know about JK Rowling, I'm not quite sure about that anymore. And I think that, you know, she probably did know some of this. And also you're writing a book and how much would she have researched mm. whilst writing these and also she had editors and publishers yeah. and also not only that but this has been something that's been called out since the goblins first made their appearance in harry potter yeah. in any substantial way and yet now when you know warner brothers are releasing like collateral around the harry potter series the hugely problematic stuff that they release around the goblins where you're just like you know that this is an issue and this is something that you could downplay but if anything when you're releasing marketing collateral yeah exactly so it's just like one big yikes basically but this is like definitely one of those moments where you're just like if i if i just read this it that they pass a group of goblins who were cackling over some gold dead one like from my you know um, background of not being raised particularly around other cultures because from, you know, a very white middle class woman. Yeah. I wouldn't read into this at all. I honestly but with didn't... having, like, other people on the internet mm. be like, oh, this is a metaphor, you know, for Jewish caricatures. Now that I read this, I'm like, oh, that is just really... Mm. Like, you could have just not. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I honestly didn't know about the goblin Jewish thing until the last few years when I became really, like, into Harry Potter podcasts and Harry Potter YouTube and, like, more that kind of newer online community. I honestly didn't know about it until then. And part of that is my own fault and my own, you know, not educating myself and not knowing more. Um, And there's a lot of issues around that. But, yeah, it makes for uncomfortable reading once you know about the issue and i can only imagine for you know jewish people reading it's it's very uncomfortable as i said we are throwing our hands up and saying we don't know enough about the issue we would love to get people on who are of 
Jewish faith who know more about this and also if you guys have particular feelings about this if you are Jewish please send us your thoughts and we'd be happy to go into them in future chapters that touch on this issue yep so next they pass a group of Vila who have a load of men around them including Sanchon Pike all being like I'm a dragon catcher I'm, I'm the this. future minister I'm for magic hunter. um Hannah are they male Vila because no they're, they're no how do they reproduce Hannah they're like the Virgin Mary. Magical conception. There needs to be... Un, unless it's that they, re, you know, have same-sex reproduction, there needs maybe they do. to be... And maybe they do. The fact that, you know, we know that they have... What's Fleur is... Fleur is descended. Yeah. You know, she is mixed with, like, Wizard and Vila. It, basically, that they, they can't only mate with humans because there would be no pure Vila. So there needs to either be same-sex same, same sex reproduction or men. I'm hoping for same-sex reproduction same. in this. I'm rooting for it. Just all Vila are lesbians. I love that. Apart from, like, the odd Vila, like Fleur's grandmother, who's like, I'm going to get with this wizard man but mostly well, we don't like, know because if they've got same sex reproduction maybe Fleur's grandma is a lesbian oh and she got with a muggle lady yeah whoa this would be sick I'm so here for Vila lesbians however this seems far too progressive for JK Rowling hey Charlie if it's not answered in the books we we can make our own answer. We are the fans. As I said on Twitter, we own the books now and we're the fans, so we yeah. can make our own answer. I'm going to go with all Vila's lesbians. I'm going to go with it too. It sounds like a great idea. Yep. So, so then this is a part where Bagman appears and is like completely fucking out of the loop. Like he's, like, he's what got. What are you talking about? He's like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. So this is where I put two and two together. Everyone's kind of dissipated. So the trio sit down in a clearing and they just kind of like let's just wait it out here let's just chill but they kind of can sense someone has appeared in the trees in the background and they're all kind they of hear footsteps. they hear footsteps they hear some leaves crunching and then someone shouts Mosmod. They Mos might not shout. They might not shout it like that. That's just how I picture it from the and films. You know what? Actually, they probably they don't hear footsteps. They don't hear any footsteps leaves or any twigs. Maybe floor. they don't even really hear the spell. What they do hear is of David Tennant's tongue. <laughs> Mosmodre. So from this mosmodre, a huge green skull shoots into the sky. It's huge and a serpent is coming out of its mouth, which really just brings the whole Death Eater thing. You know, we've got... What does that mean? They eat death? Like, what is this serpent mouth thing? What is this eating I thing? I don't know, but it's like emo as hell and I'm here for it. Death eaters. Yeah. Eating a snake. I just, like, I find it wild because, like, we kind of grew up with Harry Potter and we always, it was like, oh, yeah, the Dark Mark, the Death Eaters. Yeah, them them lads. Um, <laughs> lads. And then, just boys being boys, you know? <laughs> just lads being lads. Uh, no. You kind of always assume, oh, yeah, like, you know, you know the Death Eaters and the Dark Mark and then you only <laughs> learn about it in the fourth book and you're like, what? what do you mean this wasn't always a thing yeah i know so hermione's like harry it's voldemort's like we've got to move we've got to move um but before they can move very far ministry of wizards appear on every side and harry being the smart one grabs them by the collar pulls them down he's not the smart one he's the only one with like reactions quidditch, quidditch reactions yeah literally so he pulls them to the ground because they're uh, they're stupefying all up over their heads and yep. this must be terrifying for everyone in the grounds like for all the adults you know mr wheezy explains that this mark appeared in the sky when voldemort or the death eaters had killed someone so if you saw it above your house you knew what you were going to find in your house before you entered which is really sickening mm -hmm. so to see this in the sky and bear in mind a lot of especially the ministry officials have separated from their children they've told them to run into the woods they've said they're going to go deal with stuff because this is a family event and then from those woods where they've sent all their children this skull appears the fear inside and the waiting of not knowing like we know no one has actually died but the waiting of a lot of them for not knowing who it is or what's happened must yeah. be horrific yeah so miss wheezy yells stop that's my son that's my son <laughs> and then crouch yells at them asking who cast it which is just no 
fucking logic. Yeah. Mr. Degree theorizes that they must they may have stunned the person because they're all like, oh, you know, we might as well go. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, you know, we probably did stun them. Yeah, you know, they went through the trees. Yeah, really, really smart. And, you know, as we know later on, he was correct. He was correct. But Um, unfortunately, because of other things, he finds Winky, who is holding a wand. And Mr. Diggory, who up until this point has been a little bit pompous, a little bit arrogant, but mostly nice, goes full on horrific he interrogates winky he screams in her face he calls her elf he never calls her by her name despite the fact he knows it and he's literally screaming at her and no one is reacting to this Mm -hmm. only hermione is being like stop no maybe we should everyone else is just seeing this like it's normal she is not i mean i don't know what the wizarding lords are but she is not under warrant she is not under court no she's not as if they have these no i know but it's just he cannot treat her like this in this situation. She, and also, it's just, like, illogical. Like, she very obviously didn't, didn't fucking do it. Yeah, didn't do it. And he's like, let's check the wand. I'm like, she clearly didn't do it. Like, she's a terrified elf. She's crying. She clearly didn't do it. Yeah. Harry then chooses this moment to be like, yo, that's my wand. That's my wand. And I'm like, Harry. Harry, mate. Harry. Mm. <laughs> so they made Mr. this worse. Degree's like, so you confess. <laughs> like, and then everyone else is like, what, what the, the fuck, fuck are you on about? about? Also, Harry has the best cover if he wants to be a dark wizard because everyone is like, dude, do you know who you're talking to? Like, that's Harry Potter. I'd be like, if I'm Harry Potter, that'd be a great dark wizard. Like, everyone's like, dude, that's Harry Potter. I would just Potter. do it for the fact that I would never be caught. Mm. Everyone's like, there's no point even asking him. He didn't do it. Yeah, it's like, what do you mean there are eyewitnesses at every single one of these different moments? murders saying that harry did, did it it can't it's be harry. harry crouch says winky will get clothes and then they head back to the tent but hermione is the only one to stand up mm-hmm. for winky which is so incredibly brave bear in mind hermione like really respects authority and everyone here is a senior ministry official and she stands up in front of 20 senior ministry officials and is like it's not winky's fault you can't do this but also this really shows mr crouch's personality because okay so crouch starts yelling at Amos because he's acute he says by accusing him he's accusing Winky yeah and then Crouch fires Winky in front of everyone which is really disgusting and up until this point Percy's been like Crouch is so great Crouch is so great you know he's saving Bertha Jorkins la 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 but we really see at this point Crouch's real personality and I know Sirius says it later in the books about you should judge a man by how he treats his inferiors not Mm -hmm. by how he treats his equals but it's, it's fully disgusting yeah. Crouch teaches Winky. And also, I want to know about, like, the clothes thing. The clothing as a sign of firing for house elves is a really interesting one and weird and gross. So it's basically tying a sign of individuality um, and using it as a weapon against the house elves. Like, wearing your own clothes and choosing what you wear is a sign that you are a free person. You know, prisoners don't choose what they wear. Slaves, historically did not choose what they wear so stripping someone of being able to just have the basic of choosing what they wear strips them of their individuality and implies upon sight that they have less rights and then they do this weird thing where not only do the house elves not wear their own clothes giving them clothes and telling them they can wear clothes they imply is the biggest shame in the world because it means they've been fired and it's this really disgusting cycle of tying any sense of individuality into this huge source of shame and it's very weird but clever thing to do with the clothes Mm -hmm. they head back to the tent hermione and percy fight about the whole house elf thing and they go to sleep chapter 10 it's a heavy chapter I forgot to write the chapter name down mayhem at the ministry and if the last chapter was heavy this one is light (laughs) which is good because we're 50 minutes in that's fine because for the last one i had five pages of notes and for this one i have half (laughs) lush so back at the bar room mrs wheezy apologizes to the twins she's like what did the last thing i ever said was that you you didn't get get enough enough owls it's so cute and such a mum thing i know i love it um but the newspaper says that everything was the ministry's fault they're like the ministry didn't do this the ministry didn't do that Mm -hmm. which is kind of standard for newspapers yeah and then this is where we get the first mention of rita Rita skeeter Skeeter. because mr wheezy's like who the fuck wrote this and then he's like "Ah, of course rita skeeter so then mr wheezy has to go into the office to help with some of the drama and Mrs. Weezy is like, no, you're supposed to be on holiday. I hope he claimed that holiday back. No. 
You know he didn't. He should have. He should have. So they, we kind of skip through like three weeks and we just learn that the ministry's in mayhem. Everything's crazy. And we skip to this last day before they go back to Hogwarts. And oh my God, it's the most perfect, cute evening ever. Let me talk you through what everyone's doing. Bill and Ron are playing chess. Ginny is mending her book. Harry is cleaning his firebolt. Hermione is reading... Yeah, he and is. Charlie. <laughs> I bet he's polishing that firebolt, you know. And Charlie. <laughs> Charlie is darning a balaclava. I can't imagine a more cute scene. All of them doing these homely things. Why is he the darning a balaclava? Because he can't afford a new balaclava, so he's darning his car. Current... Why does he have a balaclava? It's a fireproof balaclava. I can't imagine a more cute scene than this. And again, we're talking about scenes where I would like to insert myself. Mm. This scene, I would just play the chess. I'd read the book. Oh my God, it's the cutest shit in the world. So they go back up to their rooms afterwards and it's the evening before Hogwarts and Ron finds in his stuff for Hogwarts what he thinks is a dress. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's his dress robes. And Harry's turn out to be nice and green but 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 Mrs Weasley them. because oh, the, the, the green the matched his, his eyes. eyes it's so fucking cute have you ever thought about the fact that Mrs Weasley would have also had to buy Hermione's Oh, yeah. Those, like, ones she wore to the Yule Ball, the periwinkle blue. Oh, chosen my by God. Mrs. Weasley. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh I my God. love that so much. And I, I bet know. she was just like, oh, like, you know, like, Hermione doesn't really do much with herself. But I, know. I know. I, like, I bet she's like, I know exactly what she'll look like amazing in. I know. Uh, oh, Mrs. my God. Mrs. Weasley has just, like, got the taste. And it's so, it's kind of sad because, like, she picks out these perfect things for Hermione. Like, Hermione's never dressed up and she picks out this gorgeous dress. It's a head cannon now. I mean, she has to. She's the only one that does. Yeah. She picks out Harry's, and then because she doesn't have the money, even though she could pick out these amazing ones for Ron, she has to pick out these horrible ones. And it's so frustrating because Ron is then the most tactless prat in the world and basically yells but at his mum. He's a teenage boy. No, I know. And, and I, it's incredibly I, I feel embarrassing. so bad, bad for him. For him. I feel so, especially because his best friend is standing there holding like lovely new robes and he's like, why mm-hmm. can I have those? Why? And it's really frustrating as well to read as Harry's protest because Harry is literally like, if Mrs. Weezy had said something, I would have bought Ron's. Like yeah. he's, he's like thinking through that in his head. But he can't. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, this is so frustrating to read. Yeah. But like in Ron's, you know, perspective, you can totally understand. And yeah, he should have been more tactful and done it a better way. And But when you're a teenager, you're so hormonal yeah. and you're not thinking about the bigger picture. But you can completely understand that Ron is faced with either he doesn't go to the ball, which mm. I mean, he doesn't know. He doesn't know but, at this you point. Know, that he just doesn't go or he goes in normal clothes which everyone's going to think you're out of place and you can't afford yeah or he goes in these hideous secondhand things which literally can you think of anything more embarrassing they sound horrific like i know they're kind of ron's kind of making fun of them because they look like girl clothes but it's very clear they're like 40 years old they're the wrong cut the wrong fabric they've got lace around Mm -hmm. the collars and the sleeves oh my god and i can literally picture it as well because like he's also at that age where he can't buy things for himself and his mum's still buying them for him and you remember that age mm. it is about this age 13 14 when you want to buy things for yourself you're but starting you don't to ha- get your own style but you don't have a part-time shop yet and you therefore you don't have money to buy things so mm-hmm. your mum is still buying things for you and then you're like i'm not wearing this but yep. you have to and and your mum's like no <laughs> great i'll look and you're like no. Oh, oh, I feel the cringe. I'm literally already like, oh no, I hate it. Yeah, I know. So Mrs. Weezy is really upset, which is fair because, you know, she mm-hmm. had to pick that for him. And I'm sure she yeah. wanted to pick him something nice. And then there is the best line ever. We which say this all also, the time. <laughs> I know. But also just sounds like it could be a Hermione line, which really just makes me like 
kind of draw, draws attention to the fact that Ron basically married his mum. But okay, Mrs. Wheezy oh, goes, yeah. fine, go naked. <laughs> Harry, <laughs> make sure you get, get a, a picture. picture. Goodness knows I could do with a laugh. Oh, Mrs. So Weasley is a, a savage. <laughs> I literally love this line. Uh, fine, go naked. I'm like, yeah, go yeah. on then. And then the implication that she would laugh at seeing him naked. I'm like, that is so mean. And also he really deserves it. Yeah, he really deserves it. That's the best line. So that's the end of that chapter is so short compared to the last one mm-hmm. like i know they had to balance out because the last chapter had to be really long but i've i've finished this chapter and i was like really really am i done if i ever write a book i'm just gonna be like you know what every x amount of words new chapter no, don't care do if it logically halfway makes sense <laughs> yeah and then they no 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 a certain amount of characters halfway through a word and is a they- new fucking <laughs> chapter uh, uh, what did you think of these chapters yeah, like a lot happens. I really like the the previous one, the um the dark mark. Yeah, one. I've always really liked that chapter. There's and a then lot in it. This one is needed because it's kind of the boil down after the action, and you kind of like the it's like the wider world repercussions. Yeah, exactly. So like it's needed, but they're one of those chapters where you don't realise the significance of a lot of things until later. Definitely. So you read it and you're like, what was that? And then later on, you're like, uh, uh. tell us what you thought, guys. Remember, we are on Instagram, Twitter. You can see what, what? TikTok! <laughs> so, we actually filmed and published our first TikTok today. So, oh you can God, find guys. us there on Goblet of Wine Pod. Oh my God, God, guys, I am so old. A TikTok is 15 seconds long, and it took us an hour to make an hour to make Mostly this TikTok. Because I accidentally deleted, deleted it, it when we were almost done. Uh, but Guys, we be so old. We are mid-twenties and we're like, oh, the TikToks. Bearing in mind as well that we're, <laughs> both we're, work in we both work content. in social media. <laughs> uh, and we're like, oh, the, you know, the kids are doing the, the tickety tocks. So if you would like to look at the tickety tocks. If you want to see our very cringe TikToks soon, we're going to, we want to get some robes and we're going to do some dancing TikToks uh, so in Hogwarts I l- Yeah, I love to dance and I'm trying to persuade Charlie that we need to do the dancing TikToks. The thing is, I'm up for it, but also... I have no rhythm and also no memory. So okay, like I'll do me the and complicated dancing ones is... and teach you the simpler ones. Yeah. I love dance. That's the only thing I actually watch on TikTok, just the dancing videos. Yeah. Oh, I love the dancing talks. The dancing tickety talk. Please someone young teach us about the ticks. <laughs> and the talks. And the TikToks. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Can we say TikTok anymore? TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Yeah, TikTok's that Kesha song, right? <laughs> Uh, All right, bye, lads. Bye, guys. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. VR, Nathan, Amanda, Catherine, Mark, Katie, Sandra, Danny and Mutalib. If you'd like to support this podcast check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes content and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.